Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And tonight we have a very interesting program. We always try to have one that's interesting. Uh, tonight we're going to be discussing a current event that I think is very striking and something that I'd like to uh, get your input as well as uh, some, I'll get, share with you some ideas that different people have had, some of my own thoughts in the matter. You know, we as Jewish people have to respond to everything. And uh, whenever you hear something, that means that it was beshert, it was determined that we should hear about it. The Chavetz Chaim used to uh, talk about anything that was going on. There was a famous uh, story with Chavetz Chaim heard that there was a, the Mississippi River overflowed. Now, the Chavetz Chaim was in Poland, and we were here in the United States, put up right there, and we're here in the United States, and uh, the Mississippi River is not something he ever saw or ever expected to see. And yet, if the Mississippi River overflowed, there's a message for all of us. So the story that I'm going to tell you tonight, which I think is a very important story, is something that does affect all of us, and how you think it affects us is what I'd like to find out from you. You can call in, you can text in. I'm not taking callers until about 20 minutes after 6 or a little later. But you can call us a little later on, 718-683-5858. You could text anytime, even starting now, general questions or comments on our topic for tonight. The texting number is 347-927-8398. Well... You may have heard of it, you didn't hear of it, here's the story. In Israel, there is a young man who is, uh, I don't know if he was born in Israel or not, but very possibly yes. His family was here in the United States, and he decided to go back to Israel, I believe, to join the army, the IDF, and if it wasn't to join the army, but that's what he did in the end. And he has a grandmother living on a kibbutz in Eretz Israel grandmother and my grandfather too, and that's where he was located. Then he joined into the army. The only problem is he became famous. We don't have his name, and that's good, because otherwise we would get into an area of lush and horror. It seems that he was in a program training to be an, a, uh, an, an officer, uh, to be a tr- uh, in, in charge of uh, a certain segment of the army. It's not the top thing there, but he's, uh, he was in a training program, and uh, to be the squad commander. And obviously in that program, there are rules. And one of that exists in the army in Israel is that everything on the base has to be kosher. Everything there has to be kosher. And I know that some of us are not necessarily excited about the kashras of the, uh, that, that exists in the uh, army in Israel. It, it lacks something. And when the issue comes up about Haredim going into the army, which I'm not going to really just discussing tonight at all, because I'm obviously I'm, I'm quite opinionated about that, and I don't think we have any open issue on that. It's obviously something that Haredim, meaning people who are learning in yeshiva, don't belong in the army um, unless it was an absolute emergency. But uh, otherwise, uh, obviously, they don't belong there. We have our we have our job, and they have their job. Haredim in general, I don't think there's anything wrong with Haredim who are working, going into the army, if they have everything that they need 
met, and if they want to be in the army, if it's something that'll be good for them, it'll be bad for them, if it means that they wouldn't learn any Torah, they couldn't keep Shabbos, couldn't keep kosher, I mean, that'd be bad. But if we're talking about Haredim serving in the army to protect Jews in Israel, uh, unless you're talking about the question of his own personal sakana, but that's something that's not with the topic for tonight. The problem was that this gentleman, young man, went into the army, and he knew the rules, he went ahead and he got food from his grandmother and from the kibbutz. Some say it's a sandwich, but it must have been a little bit more than a sandwich, but it was pork, 100% from a pig. No question about that. No one denies it. He ate treif. Okay, he did it, but he did it on the base. And then he shared his food with other soldiers who were also in the training program to be squad leaders. So that's a problem. Problem isn't only that he ate treif, which of course bothers us. The problem isn't that only that he ate treif on the base and he, you know, he knew that the law was that they that you have to have only kosher there. And but the problem was that he spread it to others. And the problem, basic problem, is that he flaunted his non-religious observance and broke the rules of the army. And he is going to be a leader among men. And when I think back to the IDF and the people that I've met over there who served in the IDF, including Nisim is not here now, the people who, uh, who served in the IDF and put themselves out so much, the Tzantchanim and all the people that I, and the people that I met even from the yeshiva world who were served at one time or another, these people understood what it meant to be in the Jewish army. They know we were persecuted for thousands of years. They know Jews were trampled on. They were killed mercilessly over the, over the generations. And here we're in Israel, and we have an army to protect ourselves. We don't have to go to the British and beg and beg, and, and, and they'll just turn their back the way it was until, until, the, until Israel became a state. We don't, we don't have to go back to those times when they closed the doors and wouldn't let Jews into countries. We have our country and and we have our army which is necessary in today's world especially with the Arabs want to do we definitely need an army no question not a shaila how you conduct the army okay that's all i'm not going to discuss that but there is an army and here we're going to have our army where they the main thing was that acceptance in the army the main thing is to know that you will follow whatever you are told to do. Otherwise, you're not a soldier. And you can't be a leader among men if you flaunt uh, your own freedom to break the laws. It's, it's obviously that way. We would feel the same way if we found a policeman's breaking the laws. We don't want to know that, the, that, a, that a soldier is breaking the laws. That, that, and and if, if, if kosher is only a law in the army, at least it's something that's required. And it was significant enough that they decided to put him in jail for 11 days. Well, now one second, just over kosher, you're going to put him in jail. Everything is flared up. And they had, to, they had to change it. They were, the army was forced to uh, retract and to say we made a, an error. And they go ahead and they reduce the sentence 
and basically didn't put him in jail and just said that he can't go off the, uh, off the base and he loses a furlough that he was supposed to have. And that's about as far as the army was ready to go on it. And eventually, I believe they dropped the entire thing because of pressure from the outside. What is that pressure? Is that pressure because uh, he's a nice boy? Well, the mother said, you know, my son went back to Israel, and this is how you treat him? He went to join the army, this is how you treat him? Okay, that's her point of view. Didn't bother her that he's eating non-kosher, flaunting in front of everybody else. Didn't bother her. But that was her decision. You know, she wants to back him, and we should be free, etc., etc. Fine. That's what she did. But the army backed down. Now, that's a big problem. So there were those that came out against the army for backing down. And that's basically where it is. It's the Rabbi Eli Ben-Dahan, and he finally spoke up about it and said that uh, it's not appropriate what the army did. Rabbi Eli Ben-Dahan, Israel's deputy defense minister, was angry at the back down and said the sentence should have been carried out in full. So he said as follows, the issue here is one of identity. The IDF is Israel's army, the only Jewish state in the world. The regulations are clear in that Jewish people's army eats only kosher food, including secular, religious, traditional, and Haredi soldiers. You don't have a choice in the army. You have to eat kosher. So here, it didn't bother them. It didn't bother this young man. It didn't bother the people that came against the army. They don't care. There's a story I heard many years ago, and it's a very uh, striking story. It seems that it was in the 1930s when the Jews were still able to daven at the coastal Hamaravi before it was taken away. They got it back in 67, but it was before it was taken away. And it was Yom Kippur, and people were davening at the Kosel. And then they saw two people, maybe it was three, but I remember, I remember the story. It was like two, could be two or three people walking towards the Kosel. And they saw that the people were carrying something. In those days, there was no Erev in Yerushalayim. There was no Erev anything. You had to go and daven Baal Peh. There were no Sidurim, no Machzorim. It couldn't be done on Shabbos or Yom Tov. There was no way to get anything to the Kosel. And you had to do the best you can, best you knew how. You couldn't bring, maybe they had stored some Sidurim there, I don't know, but you couldn't carry anything in those days. And they saw them carrying something. And then they saw that they sat down on Yom Kippur at the Kosal HaMaravi and they took out ham sandwiches and ate them. At the Kosal HaMaravi on Yom Kippur. Lahachis. That's what we have here. We have flaunting, irrespective. Now, there's a publication in Israel. Uh, you've heard of it, Haaretz. I, I'm... Hopefully we'll be able to get out a little letter to them. I don't know how much it'll do. But there's a gentleman, I don't know if we should use the word, who wrote an article there. And I'm going to skip everything he said. But basically, the name of his article in Haaretz, I think, therefore I eat ham. He's, his position is that kosher is only significant if you're religious. 
But if you're not religious, there's no non-kosher. I'm eating what I want to eat. You eat what you eat. I want to eat what I want to eat. That would work if we could all sit down at the table together. But if we can't sit down at the table together, then, then you have to do the highest standard. Otherwise, I can't join. You need me. The Israel army needs the Datiyim. There's too big a percentage of Datiyim to close them out. You don't have kosher in the army. No Dati can go. It, it's really not fair that way. So yes, it doesn't sound nice. We, we make you uh, keep kosher in the army. But that's the only way it could be done to have everybody together. It has to be understood that way. It's a basic respect that, that you as a non-religious person have for me. I'm not going to bore you with the, the words he said. I don't think it's even appropriate to say on the radio the things that he said about Judaism. And it, 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 it bothers me very much that a newspaper, Haaretz, even if it is a little bit open-minded, should print such a tripe as this, as this the man's uh, article. Now, I'm going to read to you a story that I saw just the other day. Just give me a minute. This story is a little bit the other way. Uh, I would say a lot the other way. It's in a book called For Goodness Sake by Rabbi Baruch Brull. Not a new book, but uh, not that old either. Uh, it's put out by Feldheim Publishers, and uh, it was done in 2004. I'll read you the story because it's worth hearing the whole thing if you didn't hear it before. Tani Schwartz was born in Savannah, Georgia, in 1963. Along with his parents and two siblings, Tani made Aliyah when he was eight years old. At the age of 18, he enrolled in a Hester Yeshiva, which combines Torah study with servants in the army. Upon completing his first year in Yeshiva, he, he began his army service. After basic training, he was chosen as one of 350 physically capable soldiers from a total of 5,000 to become a part of an elite reconnaissance unit whose men are trained for dangerous and daring missions. After a week of difficult training and testing, 80 men, that's out of the 350, were selected to remain in the reconnaissance unit. From 5,000, we went down now to 80. Ultimately, only 24 soldiers were chosen to serve in this exclusive army unit. Tani Schwartz was one of them. What made him different from the other 23 soldiers that were chosen was the fact that he was a yeshiva boy. Training in the elite unit consisted of a year and a half of difficult training courses, such as parachuting and fighting terrorists. From early morning until late at night, the soldiers took part in rigorous and grueling exercises and physically endured more than their minds could fathom. Sleeping for three hours in the evening was considered a good night's sleep. During the last four months of training, Tani and his fellow soldiers were taught navigation, which required daily walks and runs of 25 to 30 miles across the country. Every mountain and valley in Israel became as familiar to those soldiers as their own backyards. Each evening, this small group of soldiers would conclude their walk or run at a designated kibbutz. The kibbutzim were notified in advance of the soldiers' impending arrival and were asked to prepare a warm meal for them. The soldiers appreciated the hot dinners 
that awaited them at the end of the very every long day. However, there was one soldier sitting in the dining room, dining, uh, along with the others who did not eat the prepared food. Tani, the yeshiva boy, had eaten kosher all his life and was not about to compromise his religious standards. Most of these kibbutzim did not have kosher kitchens and could not prepare kosher meals for the soldiers. And so the army gave Tani vouchers to buy his food on each kibbutz. Tani made do with whatever basic foods were available at a kibbutz, dry cereal and milk, fresh vegetables, cheese and dairy products, canned food, and if he was lucky, salami. It wasn't easy for Tani to watch his fellow soldiers devour delicious warm meals while he ate his cold food, especially on cold, damp winter days. But the idea of eating non-kosher food never crossed his mind. One evening, as Tani walked into a kibbutz dining hall later than his comrades, he was, he, he was bewildered what he saw. His fellow soldiers were sitting at a table set with plastic silverware and paper plates, eating dry cereal and fresh vegetables. What are you doing? asked Tani. We decided that it's not fair that we're given warm food to eat while you have to eat cold food. Until you can get hot food, kosher cooked food, we all will eat whatever you eat, one of his friends replied. Tani's eyes welled up with tears. Yes, even tough soldiers get emotional at times. He couldn't believe that his friends, who were not religious, would make such a sacrifice for him. He knew how much they looked forward to the warm dinners that they got every day. As soon as the commanding officer heard what had happened, he too was touched. He spoke to his superiors in the army, and from that day on, arrangements were made for a warm, kosher meal to wait Atani each evening at every kibbutz. So, my, my dear listeners, it, it can't work without both sides cooperating with each other. The, the religious side, you know, uh, has to understand that if that soldier goes on his day off into Tel Aviv or Haifa and wants to eat something non-kosher in a, an Arab shuk or an Arab store, nobody can stop him and no one should have to stop him. I mean, we, we we're concerned about it, but that's something we can stop anybody about. But on the army base, to bring in non-kosher food and to eat it in front of everybody else, to share it with his comrades, that's flaunting his non-religious commitment or his commitment to be non-religious in the face of everybody who is from. And I personally consider this to be something that is very wrong that the army backed down. It's, it's my own point of view. I mean, you know, you may have a different approach, and, and I'm sure that there are many people have different approaches. But I think this is a very significant story. Now, again, it's a story that happened in Israel. It didn't happen here in, in Brooklyn. It didn't happen in the United States. In fact, my experience is the exact opposite in the United States. I deal a lot with the prisons. It seems that there's quite a few people in prison who want kosher. They really want kosher. They may be black, they may be Hispanic, they may claim to be Jewish, they may claim they want to eat kosher, even if they're not Jewish, they are dying to get the kosher food. And that's the way it goes over here in the jail system. And in Israel, the people 
are, have the exact opposite experience. They, that the people who are not observant can't stand to eat the kosher food and can't, and can't wait to grab the opportunity to eat a good piece of ham. So this is a challenge. There's a challenge that we have, kibbutz Goliath. It's a big challenge, not a simple thing, but I feel that it, it was, it's worth addressing it in, on, on our show. If you want to call and talk about it, I'm ready to hear what your point of view. You can call us at 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. If you want to talk about something else, we'll listen to you on that too as well. But this is something that I think we do have to reflect upon. We got some fixed, you know. Just yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to look. You know, we got, first of all, I, I want to tell my opinion about it. Oh, well, I, you know? I'm sorry you weren't here at the so, beginning. Okay, no, I know. But, I just had, we, it, we, I had it. I had it during uh, running here, so I. It's really upsetting to to understand, and this is my biggest argument with my friend in Israel and the Chiloni friend because I was belong to this uh, society. That we have to understand that Israel. It is the Jewish state. Right. By the independence of the declaration of Israel, this we have the right of Israel only, only, and again, say, repeat it, only because we are Jewish people. Not because we are secular, because the Koach Torah and the, the power of the Torah of the Kadosh Baruch Hu give us, we don't have any right, any right to be in Israel. The people that eating the chazir, they can go back to Romania, back to Russia, back to whatever. They, you know, this is the place that belongs. They not belong to Israel. And this is, I think, this is loud and clear. And I tell it to my sibling, I tell it to all my friends in Israel, because the right to be in Israel, and the Arabs are right to say Israel is not belong to you because you are not Jewish. And this is something that I have to be clear about it. And it's very upsetting to see they sell Hazir in the market in Israel. They sell all this open Shabbat. The fight about Shabbat is crazy over there. Yeah. Things that have to be understand that because the reason that the Akadosh who gave us Israel as a present, we don't have to, to abuse the system and to come as all, oh, we, are, we are free, we have an open mind. You, you mentioned open mind about Itona Aretz. I'm sorry to tell you, Itona Aretz, the newspaper is not open mind at all. Is such a narrow mind, is against all the world, the things, is, is open mind on his direction. But when he's talking about religious, is not open mind at all. I just want to make mention of one, one more thing. We, we talk about uh, the feelings of the people who are not observant. I go back to this situation back from the 1960s when I first visited Eretz Israel, and my feeling is that we made a tragic error. I feel that, yes, we made some gains in the early years. We got kosher, we got Shabbos on a certain level, but it's all backfiring now. All that is sliding back. They, we had the laws that you can't work on Shabbos and you had to get a special permit. And now we see mass opening of, 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 of uh, in different cities and uh, on Shabbos. And we see a reaction to the Rabbanut being in charge of the Kashris in Israel. They, had, they, they just had a, a major situation. I wrote about it in my magazine. Half the magazine is about this uh, topic over there in Israel that's going on now with the Rabbanut. And the... There is a tremendous uh, re- a backlash against what they called kfiyah datit, and it's it's it didn't work. 
back in the 1960s, I came across a gentleman who was a, uh, I never met him, I just the information about him, who was, a, who was a professor in the university. And his statement was, which I think it resonated with me, is that we should not try to force people to be observant. We should reach out to them. I remember sitting by Rabbi Volby, who was the mashkiach in yeshiva, and Rabbi Volby said, I was, I was sitting to him as close as I am to you, Nisim, and Rabbi Volby said, if we, ha- we, we had a thousand people in the organization there, Leivl Achim, and we, we got, I think, 5,000 people lined up in, in yeshivas. If we would have another few thousand volunteers for Leivl Achim, we would change Israel completely. Meet them in their houses, talk to them in the street, be nice to them, reach out to them. That's what works. Forcing doesn't do it. But the army, in order to, in, in to welcome an observant Jew, a shomer kosher, not even just a not a frumer, just a, a dati, the most minimal dati, cannot walk into the army unless it's kosher. And if you're not going to cooperate in supporting kosher in the army, you are closing the army out from a good 15, 20% or more of Israel. Maybe, maybe it's 25% of Israel. So that's something that uh, the non-observant have to realize is absolutely unacceptable. On the other hand, we should take a step back from kfiyah datit. Look what happened here in America recently. They had that Shabbat, that universe, whatever they call that Shabbat program, where everybody started observing Shabbos. And the truth of the matter is, in America, it didn't makarv too many people, but it brought an achtos. We need more achtos. We need more respect for mitzvos. It's not enough to just force it down people's throat. And we have to daven that uh, the op- that those people will come back, that all the Kira programs that we're doing will be successful. It's no question about it. I want to say that yeah, I'm right 100% with you about it. But first of all, they said this, you have to define between the, the one it's representative, the state of Israel. The one right. that's in the, the army, the Israel, it's Agana Israel. Right. This is the IDF. This is something that has to understand it cannot, it cannot come and just, oh, I got, we got a text here. I'm too, sl- maybe I'm too slow, but I don't get it. Why cannot the army offer kosher from from and non-kosher from not from? <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, this is, this is, this is really, it's, uh, and I tell yeah. my friend in Israel and to all my, all my really friends in Israel, you want, you want a really secular state? Please go ahead. The next year will be Arab Prime Minister in Israel, and this is you know I don't think the Kadosh Baruch wanted it like this. All right, I'm not getting uh, the politics. Uh, of no, it. no, this, 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 that, this something, but that, this I, something. I, asking about serving the non-religious people uh, non-kosher food, you know, and and what about if, which kind you serve them? Yes. And by <laughs> the way, even the non-observant, some of them are would be called. Um, uh, the traditional. Yeah, Masotim, I would say, I would say the and most. Some of them would not eat pig. They know, would not most, eat the ham, even of, though they're not kosher. Uh, exactly. Most of the so, most of the people that I know in Israel, and this is all true, they wouldn't put a pig in the house. Right. They wouldn't eat, you know, halavi basar. I'm telling you, most of the people are really knows that the basic, you know, they're thinking they are religious. They're thinking about this. Most people but are not upset. Not, the uh, and they, they, they wouldn't do, wouldn't agree to give. Right. The, and you see the reaction in Israel, by the way, even from the Chiloni side about this uh, incident of the Khazir in the army. 
Okay. Let's take we a have a lady who wants to ask you about uh, where you got the article about. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hello, you on there. Go ahead. Yes, hi. I wanted to also say that it's so, so sad. It's like the story of the world, how the world is blind to what, like, for example, the Palestinians do. They come and they kill Jews and everything, and then when the Jews go to defend themselves, the whole is, um, it's uh, blaming Israel. So now also they are so anti-religion that they don't understand that is the kosher and tomorrow another law of the army will be broken another law will be broken right. uh, army is not a restaurant to come and uh, serve two kinds of food you want this you get this and you got it in army you do whatever they tell you this is the definition of an army and they did a very big mistake if they backed down on the punishment because they don't understand even for the army's sake from the army's uh, sake of the rule for sake of rules of army and and existence of our survival of army a rule has to be a rule they mix it with religion because they want to kill religion it's not a matter of kosher what he ate kosher or not kosher it's a matter that he uh, put down he, he stepped over a rule of the army that's what he did and for that, he should be punished. It should not be a question of what what rule was it, what was it, what it was. If if a, if a soldier wakes up late or does something else, uh, he will be punished. So why shouldn't he be punished for this? If it's a rule of the base and rule of army, it should be kept. I, I agree with you. It's unfortunate, but what happened here is because it was a religious thing, they jumped down and they and they and they wanted to attack, and it shows how much tension exists in Israel over over these issues. They, Very they, unfortunate. They, and and also, unfortunate. I would like to say something else. Uh, about maybe a year ago or something, uh, Rab Nisim uh, was talking about um, uh, what's the name? Prime Minister of Israel uh, that he went to Paris and for a government meeting and everything and he went and he ate non-kosher in a non-kosher restaurant. And Rab Nisim was talking about it on the radio, and somebody called up and said, oh, you're talking Lashonara about the head of the country on the radio, this and that. I called and kind of, I, I um, you know, I, I was behind Nisim. But I want to say, this is what happens when the head of the country goes and in front of the world sits and eats. This is what happens next, the army is the next. And if they, he could do it, so I could do it. That's, that's, that's what, what the soldiers would say. That was everybody would say. If he could go and sit and do such a thing in public, a representative of a country, so a soldier could do that too. That's, that's what it is. I wanted to ask you um, the story of the Dati soldier. Uh, where was that from? The Dati soldier that I told you? Yeah, you said that there's there was a, a soldier that he didn't eat trev yes, until the whole... It's a, uh, it's a book called For Goodness Sake. Yes, by who? From Feldheim. By Feldheim? Yes. All right, very good. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you very much for the call. Hashem like, should help. Like, That's all we need. I'd like to, like to share with the listening audience a story that I heard many years ago. I think I may have said it once on the radio. I hope not two times, but I may have said it once. Um, years it's ago. There's nothing to say, and nothing bad to repeat. I know. And it's we a good know story. 101 is, a, is, is the best. It's, way. It's, well, not 101. <laughs> this is, I'll say, I won't say 101. Uh, this story, I still remember it because it was right after the 67 war. And I was sitting in yeshiva by Rabbi Kanarik. 
Rav Yisrael Kanarik, who was the head of the yeshiva or our mayor. In those days, we were in uh, we were in New Rochelle, but now it's up in Peekskill. So his, his children took over the yeshiva. But in those days, in New Rochelle, and Rabbi Kanarik was somebody, if you knew him, he was European, and he didn't get involved in anything. He never went to an Aguda convention, never belonged to an organization, didn't do anything with anybody else. He just learned Torah and ran the yeshiva, and that was it. Took care of all his responsibilities, but he wasn't uh, a chavraman, you know. So anyway, he went to Eretz Israel right after the 67 war. Whatever reason, I think just the enthusiasm mm-hmm. of vacation. He came back with such enthusiasm, he wanted to move his whole yeshiva to Israel. Didn't happen, but he told us the following story. He came to the coastal Hamaravi, and I remember we got the coastal back. I told the coastal story before the war, before they was taken away. This is as soon as we got it back, only a few days or weeks after they got it back. And he was at the coastal. And he comes there in Davening, and he sees somebody, he's helping somebody put on tefillin. And uh, maybe it was Lubavitch, I'm not sure. And this fellow, he's trying to get put on tefillin, says, Ani chofshi. I'm a free thinker. I don't have to put on tefillin. That's what he says. Ani chofshi. So, eh, you know, Rabbi Kanari started to cry. And he told us, Hashem says that, I mean, the Chazal say that Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Ha'ovos, Hain, Hain, Hamerkova. When you saw Avraham, when you saw Yitzchak, or when you saw Yaakov, you knew there's a God in the world. I don't know if you ever had the zechus to see one of the Gedoli Yisrael. I mean, I mean the real Gedolim, not a political personality, a real Gadol. If you see the real Gedolim, their face shines. The Simcha Sachayim, the Torah, the Yira, everything is on their face. And this is not one of the Avos. This is one of our Gedolim. Could you imagine what it would be like to see Avram Avinu or Yitzchak or Yaakov? We would be changed completely just by one time seeing them. When you saw them, you knew there's a God in this world. He said, how could it be that this man came to the coastal Hamaravi after we got it back after after, uh, so many years and he comes to the place of where the Beis Amigdash stood, where the Jewish people davened and prayed to God, and where they met, communed with God. And he comes to this place, this holy place, and he sees us all davening here like crazy. And somebody asks him to put on a pair of tefillin, he can say, Ani chofshi. The only way he could do that is if he looks at us and he doesn't see the Merkava. He doesn't see a Kaddish Baruch he said, we're all failures. We do not project the proper image. How could it be that this young man could flaunt in the army? What about the rabbis he met? What about the chash of he met? What about all people in the army, in his, in his, even in his uh, in quad, even in the training program? What about all the datiyim and all the rabbonim and all the, and, and all the chesed and all the things that we're supposedly doing? Why doesn't it get across? The answer is, we're not doing enough and not doing it well enough. And so instead of blaming this young boy who came back to Israel from Boston, maybe we have to look at ourselves and say, we have to look more into our conduct. Why should it be that there's so many Chilol Hashems, 
We open up the paper. We turn on the radio. We shouldn't. Shouldn't do either one of them. But somehow it seeps in. You heard who was going to jail? You hear what's happened over here? You heard what he did? He got caught. He got hopped. You hear all these stories. They're all, it's terrible. Why, why is it happening? Why is the Chil Hashem happening? I heard a beautiful word from Rabbi Diamond from, from Deal. I'll take another call in just a minute. I heard a beautiful word from Rabbi Diamond in, in, in Deal. He's a wonderful speaker. So Rabbi, Rabbi Diamond said that the, over from the Chofetz Chaim, maybe you've heard it, the Chofetz Chaim said, why is it that it's a, such a terrible thing occurred to the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva? That in the uh, those thirty three days or thirty four days that they died, why did they all die then? What was what did they do wrong? But I mean, no, there's a bigger virus. It's very hard to believe that that's something you should die for. So Chavetz Chaim says, you know what it was? If the rabbis of the generation don't get along and have respect and don't treat each other with, as the, as G'daylim, as Tamil Chachamim, with Yirin, with respect, and, and, and the, the way you should treat a Tamil Chacham. If they were a little bit too relaxed about it, whatever it was, whatever they did, that's how the rabbis act. That's Achil Hashem. Achil Hashem, the Gemara says, for Achil Hashem, Tshuva doesn't help. Yom Kippur doesn't help. It's toilet. Yisurim doesn't do it. Only one thing is going to work if it's Achil Hashem. Misa. Rabbi, you touch a very, very sensitive issue here. <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> you know, it's just something that, you know, Lo Yerushalayim al-Karmza v'bar-Karmza. And it's not the two persons that was away. It's because the Chachamim didn't protest and right. stood up. Right. And this is what I'm saying. We, we talk, this is what we're doing here. And I'm telling you, we had, unfortunately, as you say, so many stories, so many sad stories. If it's starting from the, our education system to our, our business, Nasata Venatata Bemuna, you treat your, your fellow Jews right, you treat your fellow Goish right. There's something like this that we don't know. We feel as you boys, you girls in the school the right way. Ah, oh, this is the right way. This is something that we have to inspect ourselves. And I don't know if you heard yesterday, we spoke with Dover Brunovich, we don't, we're not talking about, we have to look at the mirror upon ourselves before judging somebody else. This is the most important thing, just we have to find ourselves the right. And you out. And this is very, very tough today. Mm. Uh, we have okay, a boy take, that wants, hello, go ahead. yes. yes go ahead. You're on can we help you? Um, yeah, I want to say a story about, like, kosher in Israel. About what? About, like, kosher or whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so Yehuda Avner was once invited to the president's house with, with Yitzhak Rabin. Yes. And so he was sitting there, and he, he offered a vegetarian kosher dish for himself. So, and so it wasn't coming because his place card at the table was spelled Mr. Yaduha. Finally it came. It was piled high with like lettuce and cottage cheese and, and whipped cream. And it was like higher than his head. It was gigantic. So he saw Yitzchak Rabin whisper something into the president's ear. Then the president raised his glass 
and said, Happy birthday, young fellow. Let's sing a toast to our birthday boy. And then the entire hall rose up and sang, Happy birthday, dear Yaduha. And he was very embarrassed. And in the ballroom after the supper, he asked Rabin why he had told the president that it was his birthday. And Rabin said, What else should I have told him the truth? If I did that, tomorrow there will be a headline in the papers that you ate kosher and I didn't. And the religious parties will bolt the coalition and I'd have a government crisis on my hands. Okay. So how do you understand the story? I think that, I don't know, it's just very funny. Very sad. <laughs> it's, it's not so funny. Uh, there, 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 you know, kosher is not just something, I mean, I think that the people who sincerely keep kosher don't consider it a political thing and our policies and all this. And, 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 and if anybody, you know, I mean, there are people who, who withheld from eating treif when they could have eaten it. And the, uh, many Jews during the Second World War who were in, uh, who were in situations, whether it was, uh, with, in, whether it was the Nazis Yemach or was the United States Army, many of the people didn't eat treif. I had, I, my wife's family had people who were in the army, and uh, they came back, some of them anyway, and said, I never ate non-kosher meat, even though everyone else was eating it. But to us, it's really very, very serious. And, I, I, you know, it, it hurts me to, to hear people discussing kosher as sort of like a, a political thing. It just it doesn't sit right well with me. Thank you very much for the story. I'd, I'd like to uh, say a word about our sponsor, and then if you can call about any other topic, and you can text us as well. You can call us starting now on any topic you want, 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Do you want to text in a question or comment? 347-927-8398. Uh, you know that our sponsor is Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When you think of Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. They have speak, uh, weekly specials that run from Wednesday to Tuesday, and on sale now are veal spare ribs at eight sixty nine a pound, shoulder London broil eight ninety nine a pound, breast of veal eight sixty nine a pound, all under nine dollars. Amazing. And we have we have over there J and J cheese snack three ounces one ninety nine, Norman's Greek yogurt, five point three ounces ninety nine cents not a dollar twenty nine not dollar forty nine but ninety nine cents for Norman's Greek yogurt, uh, Reisman's rainbow cookies two ninety nine, and at Glatmart you can save a lot of time, and get convenience. By parking in, in their valet parking service, just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all the special items you purchase in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification for both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Cautious on the Air over J Root Radio. 
And I want, Nisim, I want you to know that I, I, I'm lucky I didn't get complaints yet from Dove because people are going over to him. I'm hearing reports that they are going over to him in the store and saying hello from Rabbi Wicklin and Cassius on the air. So, so I know, and, and Dove it. tells me that, Dove tells me that, yeah, that, that, that the people are contacting. Okay, okay let's okay. take the first caller. Tell him uh, that if instead the Rabbi Wicklin said Nisim, so it would be uh, <laughs> uh, somehow, somehow balanced. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You're on Cassius on the air. Can we help you? Is it me? Yes, it is you. Go ahead. You're on okay. the air. I was in a supermarket last week doing my shopping where I usually shop. And I took advantage of, of this pre-checked lettuce, romaine lettuce. On the package, it had, you don't have to check it, you don't have to clean it, you don't have to wash it. It's ready to eat. Okay. And right there, there was a huge crawling bug it was probably the width of a caterpillar was inside a inside a the bag and it was still alive it was alive amazing it lived there that long i mean it i don't know days. it wasn't born in the bag i don't think probably was, but the, but that's not the point. The point is... But why are they putting such a thing no, on the bag? You don't have to check it. First of all, I'm not going to discuss it, because it, 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 the whole deal, because I don't know the company. I don't want to... Uh, it's a company that everybody trusts, except for me. I don't want to hear the company. I'm not telling you. I didn't okay. tell you who I'm it telling, is. I'm telling you that anything could happen any day. You could be, and it happens to everybody, you could be up in the bungalows, and you could be eating... You can, eat, you can be eating in your, on a picnic table there, or you can be eating in even your own uh, uh, your own bungalow, and, mm-hmm. you, and you you turn your eye and you'll see a little green fly went into your food. Now that is, is does that mean you're not being careful? It it means that it's the real world, and a person does have to have their own eyes. A story that happened to me, uh, it's a true story. <laughs> I, I'm not embarrassed, but it's a little surprising. Years ago, we had a yeshiva, Birkas Ruvain, and uh, we had a dinner. And at the dinner, we took our own boys and told them to check the vegetables there. And uh, sure enough, they, they were working on checking, let's say, I, don't, I forgot exactly which vegetables they were checking and what they were doing. And sure enough, somebody came over to me at the dinner and said, Rabbi Wickler, you see this? And they showed me a bug on a piece of celery. So we had the guys working on the lettuce, on the this, whatever they were doing, who knows how many hours they were spending there. And here something got through. That's life. You have to do the best you can. That's all you're to do. So in, in, in the packaging, when there's flies and things are moving in the, in the air, things can get in. I, I don't know how an insect got in there. You should discuss it with the Company you know what my type. problem is, Rabbi Wickwish, excuse me. It shouldn't be put on the thing. You don't have to check it. You don't have to wash it. You don't have to clean it. Yes, you have to check it, even though it was checked. Okay. In other okay? Words, you don't have to check it the way No, with but it should definitely a, a once over. 100%. Okay. But I, but I don't think any different than anything else, and I, I, I can understand them doing that. I mean, what else are they going to say? But I think the point is very well taken. I appreciate it. Thank you for calling. Okay. Hatsalka, Rabbi. We Thank really you. enjoy your show. Thank you for calling. Go ahead. You're on Cassius on the air. Can we help you? Are you talking to me? Yes, you're on the air. Okay, hi. So in answer to this lady's, um, I just want to say one thing, um, and then I want to just say something else. But I just want to say that I 
know that there are other products that people don't think of checking, like um, like uh, Luxion. And Luxion in the summer can be very, very buggy. It could flower, could be buggy. Anything that has uh, a grain can be buggy. You do have to check it, and uh, you can't just machavek metahant and right, say. But, but a quick, a quick cursory. I'm not talking about the flower now, but a quick cursory look at the at the packaging uh, for the for the Luxion or the rice or whatever it is. Just a quick look on the in the bottom of the a bag, or some quick or putting it on a plate and doing something with your hand quickly, you don't have to spend 20 minutes doing it. No, for sure, but you should know, even after looking at it, you could put it in a pot and suddenly see some bugs rise to the top. It could right, happen. But, that's all we, but we're not mechuyiv to go and, 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 and take apart each, each piece of each grain of uh, rice. Right. Okay, I just want to propose something. Okay. Um, I would love to see a column in some of our um, educated, wonderful magazines, the Yiddish magazines that we have, the weeklies or the newspapers, from the kosher kitchen from you, and give us instructions so that when we want to put in blueberries or other things into our cakes and into our products, we'll have some education beforehand knowing how either difficult or impossible those things are, because these are for our oilam, and it's such a pity that there's such a discord between what you're saying and what we're seeing. I appreciate it. Can you do me a favor and just call our office number, leave a little message there, and they'll, they'll plant a, a seed in my mind. Just call 718-336-8544 and uh, give a message in there. It'll we'll start something working if we can. 718-336-8544. Okay, Thank you and if you, want, if you want, I would even write a letter to a publication and uh, propose okay. it, because first, I think this is a very timely first, thing. Let, let, first call that number, leave, in, leave your telephone number, okay. and whatever you want. Okay? Thank you okay, very much. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye. Okay, bef- uh, uh, well, before, call, when yeah. I have a question. Somebody asked him about I mean, uh, like the Chafetz Chaim, yeah. a story of Mississippi River. I don't know, I, I missed it. <laughs> No, I don't have to repeat it. It's not much of a story, just that the Chavetz Chaim commented and spoke to the people in Raden about the Mississippi overflowing because the Chavetz Chaim understood that anything that happens anywhere in the world affects all of us Jews. It came about because of us Jews, and it's something that we should be aware of. And he gave a Musa Shmuz based upon the Mississippi River overflowing, even though he didn't ever get to the States. He never saw the Mississippi River, didn't affect him you know, in, in, in a direct sense, but he felt responsibility, and he felt that we found out about it, and it's a tra- tremendous tragedy. Like the tsunamis that happened, and all the other dis- destructive things, Sandy and this and that. A person walks around without thinking HaKadosh Baruch was in charge, and he could do uh, very strong things, both positively and negatively. If we're not changed by anything, then we are at fault. We're not, we're not sincere. Yes. Is that me? Yes, you're on the air. I want to know, uh, last week or two weeks ago, you had someone speaking about dill. I want to know what about frozen dill. I, I, uh, I, I brought along the, uh, I brought along, let me just pull it out. Happened out Badika Samazov. I'm actually speaking right after this. If you know anybody, if anyone listening now knows somebody who's deaf and who likes to uh, hear things in, from sign language, uh, I, we, we, I'm speaking tonight at 7:30, as a matter of fact, in a little more than half an hour. I'm going to be speaking at 1909 
New York Avenue and for deaf group and if anybody you know who would like to join that group for now and for future programs they're more than welcome uh, in the, and that will be at, in fact we're talking about insects that's why I have a book <laughs> so that's 1909 um, New York Avenue for the deaf it will be so somebody signing for us okay now, let me just take a look at Dylan I'll be able to answer you this is a wonderful book here Badika Samazo by Rabbi Baya and I just happen to have it with me so here you go Dylan 240 okay doesn't seem to differentiate between all the herbs so I really don't I don't think I could answer you too well he has a way of uh, preparing them but you're asking specifically about frozen I couldn't be able to help you I'm sorry okay okay thank you you're welcome. thank you Bye-bye. so Robert, uh, uh, Robert, you saw you tonight you gave me a lecture about the Amazon to a deaf pe- right. people right. Oh, beautiful and uh, it, it, you're going to talk, and uh, somebody will translate signing, it. Signing. Signing it, and you have some uh, the books, uh, or you have some video also? Or not? No, no, no. It's just uh, so a presentation just, on insect And it's between, between when and what, you know? It's between J and K, 1909 J-N-K. New York Avenue. Okay, great. I want to talk, just to mention that our listeners tomorrow in Bashash al Chesed, in a Chesed hour of Avikon, will be Rabbi Sassoon as a guest of the, wow. the show. And they're talking about, uh, you know, chesed hours and chesed that's what we're doing to us, to all of us. Okay, before we take a caller, I'd like to mention something here. One of the people who texted in, he said, and this is a question that bothers everybody. And the fellow who spoke last week to me on the radio here, um, I think it was Alex, his name was. He, he said, uh, if Hashem made so much good fruit and vegetables, why are there bugs in them that we can't enjoy them? Well, I think you, the question, we always say, like, this is what I like to say, the kasha is the teretz. The question is the answer. The reason why God did it is for you to know, no, wait, stop, that you should know. I, I mean, look, you see a highway, and you could go 60 miles an hour, 65, 70 miles an hour. How come there's a toll booth in the middle? <laughs> How come you have to stop and pay the toll booth? How come there's a, I, I got a great street. You know, I know a street you can go down very, very fast. You can go maybe 40 miles an hour. Not legally, but you can go 40 miles an hour down that street. But there's a problem. There's a, there's a stop sign. <laughs> Why did they make a stop sign there? I, I want to go down the street at 45 That's why God did it. Hashem wants us to know, stop, start, follow me. HaKadosh Baruch is in charge. If we don't get it, then Hashem is not very happy. It's no different than Shabbos. You know, I, I'm busy now. I need a little more time. You can't say Shemesh Begivon Dom. If Shabbos comes in, you have to assume all your work is done. It's not really all done, but you have to look at it like that. If, if Hashem says not to eat this food, well, that's really what he wants, not to eat the food. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, Yohan Kash is on the air. Can I help you? Me? Go yes, go ahead, you're on the air. Um, um, a 7-Eleven slow piece kosher. <laughs> Every week. 7-Eleven stores don't have hashkocha. I advise you not to go there. I'd love to be able to give you something else. If, it was, if you were my kid, 
I would find something else and I would say, you know what? You want a 7-Eleven Slurpee? I can't do that for you, but we're going to go over here. And that's what your father and your mother should do. Get in the habit of going to something with Ashkacha. And you know something? There's a lot of enjoyments in this world. If you can't have a Slurpee, let's have something else that just tastes as good. And if it were my kid, I think, or maybe I would, I'm just talking on the radio, but maybe I would even spend a couple more bucks just to make sure that he understood that I love him. You know, your parents love you, and I love you too. I wish you could have it, could have it. but I'm recommending to you, and since you're smart enough to ask the question, I'm telling you, don't you, don't go there. When you're out of town and there's a store that has a sign on the Hashkocha of this rabbi or this organization, in Star K in Baltimore, Chicago Rabbinical Council, so then they have, they have Hashkocha on it. But otherwise, I wouldn't advise it, no. Okay. Thanks a lot Thank for you. calling. I hope you can listen to me. I know it's hard. Thank you. Go ahead. You're on cash. on the air. Yes, hi. This week I was listening to the Halacha Hour on Jayrit Radio, and somebody asked a question from the rabbi if um, seaweed for sushi needs hashkacha. So he said that he didn't hear anything about it. And um, Well, I'm going to tell you about, I'm gonna tell you about it. You can call any kashrus. You spoke about this, by the way. I'm going to tell you. You can call any kashrus organization. I don't care yes. which one it is. Oh, you okay, Cupcake Stark, anybody in the world you pick. And everyone will tell you, seaweed needs a very, very good hashkocha. Because there are seahorses and other sea creatures that are crustaceans that are found inside the seaweed. The people who put it, to, who give hashkocha, they actually test every sheet on the light box. Is that, is that true? I just wanted to uh, double-check this. The rabbi said that he doesn't know about it, and um, he, he said, I don't know about it. He didn't say he no. He know. said, I don't know about it. But then I realized, I remembered that you said such a thing, and then I told myself, how, uh, I remember that uh, you said that uh, small horses and... Uh, it's called seahorse. Seahorses are, are smashed and flat on them. How could this be true? How could they check because every single sheet? No, I don't know again, if, if... Again, every cashless organization does things differently. Not all of them are perfect. But, but you have to call... Why don't you just pick any cashless organization you like, call them up, and they will tell you which ones they use, and that they tell you that really don't use anyone but that one. So that's the one you should use, whichever the conversation tells you to use. Sometimes they change and switch them, but they know because they check up on it. Thank you very much for the call. We have any more time? So I want to wish everyone a wonderful week. If you'd like to reach us to get the Cautious Magazine, especially the new uh, Kosher Travel Guide to 307 cities, and you'd like to subscribe or you want a sample copy, so please call us at 718-336-336. 8544. Have a wonderful week.